Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we open His Word this morning. God, we come to You and ask for understanding. We ask for guidance. Uh, Lord, we ask that You would uh, challenge us in the way that we need to be challenged in order that we may go in the name of Christ and represent You to this world around us. Now speak to us now in Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. I can't remember exactly the date that this occurred, but when I was a young fellow... And uh, we were on our way back, I think it was from Florida one summer, and I was in the car with you know, my mom, and we had several of our cousins with us as well, so we had a car full. We're heading back home, and you know how that goes after you go on like a vacation or whatnot. When you're he- heading back home, everybody's ready to get home. And so you're, you know, pedal to the metal, flying down the road, and so, but you know, when you got a car full of youngins, uh, every now and then you have to take a little pit stop. And so we, we did that. We pulled into a gas station. Everybody unloaded, you know, made their way into the, the gas station to use the restroom, of course, and pick up probably some candy or something like that. And so everybody's running around doing their thing, and then we all pile back into the car, you know, speed out of the parking lot, and we're heading down the road. Well, a few minutes into it, we realize we have a little extra room in the back seat. <laughs> And after kind of taking inventory, we realized that we had left my little sister at the gas station. And she's, you know, you know, young, maybe first, second grade. Left her at the gas station. My mom's driving, and so once she realizes we've left my sister at the gas station, she just whips the car into the median of the interstate. So we're like bouncing through the interstate. She swerves onto the other side of the interstate, and then we're down the road again to the gas station. And, you know, she's flipping out and freaking out and you know we're flooring it down the interstate and then we'd like whip it into the gas station Uh, and right about that time my sister had just walked out the door of the gas station like nothing happened I mean she's just you know taking her time probably browsing in the candy aisle or something like that and then makes her way out realizes we're kind of spinning in on two wheels you know to pick her up and what's interesting is you know my sister at least for a little while there she didn't even know that she was lost Or separated from her family. You know, she's just kind of going about her own business. Life's fine. Life's good. Meanwhile, we're going down the interstate without her. You know, but she didn't even know that until later on. But now, if it it would have been a little bit longer, you know, I think she would have realized, okay, something's wrong here. You know, I've been separated from my loved ones. This is terrible. She wouldn't know where she was. She didn't know anybody. And then, you know, that, that, that sense of being lost would have really crept into her heart. And maybe you've experienced that, maybe when you were a child. Maybe you got separated from your family in a grocery store, or at the theme park, you know, or in the woods, you got lost somewhere, but there's that sense in which, okay, I really don't know where I am, and I don't know how to get reconnected to uh, those that love me. And so there's that, there's that you know, unsettling feeling when you realize that you're lost. And, you know, spiritually speaking, we've all kind of been in that place where, uh, we were going, uh, we were going along in life, and everything everything seemed to be fine. You know, we're browsing the candy aisle; everything seemed to be fine. We didn't realize that we were lost. We were separated from the one who loves us most. And, but we also realized, unlike my sister, who really never sensed that feeling of being lost in the gas station, uh, we sensed that in life, haven't we? Not. I mean, we realized, you know what? Uh, life isn't fine. You know, life is not the way it's supposed to be. There's brokenness in the world. 
You know, there, there are things that I do that are against the Lord. You know, I was building my life apart from Christ, apart from, apart from God. And you, know, you realize that, okay, you know, I have sinned. I, I'm, I'm doing something against the Lord. And there's a, there's a realization at some point in your life, if you're a Christian, you remember this. There's a realization that I'm lost. Meaning that I'm separated from God. I'm not right with God. And you know what's worse than being lost? I was just thinking about this. What is worse than being lost is being lost and having no one trying to find you. But thankfully, as you read the Bible, uh, you realize that Jesus came to find lost people. That's what He does. He, he, finds, he finds people. And I want you to turn with me to John chapter 1, verses 35 through 49. And there are two truths I want you to see in this passage that relate to this idea of finding those who are uh, disconnected from God, that are separated from God. The first truth is that Jesus finds lost people. Jesus finds people. That's what He does. That's why He came. And the second point that we'll see here, the second truth is that found people... Find people. Found people. Find people. So look with me at John 1, verse 35. And this is the day after Jesus' baptism. This is what we read. The next day, again, John, John the Baptist, he's, he's referring to there, was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So John, the day after Jesus' baptism, the day after John the Baptist baptized Jesus, he saw Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, what is he referring to there? Well, if you, if you just flip back just a few verses to verse 29, you see, just prior to Jesus' baptism, John says, uh, when he sees Jesus coming towards him, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In other words, this is the one that God has sent to reconcile mankind to Himself. This is the Messiah, the Christ, the deliverer that God promised He would send all throughout the Old Testament. This is the one. And so John declares that at Jesus' baptism. And then the next day, John sees Jesus again. He says, Behold the Lamb of God. So John is fulfilling his role in, in pointing people to Christ. You know, preparing the way to Christ for people. And we see this even further back in John. In John chapter 1 at the very beginning where we see Jesus is the Son of God who has existed from, from, from all eternity. 
And He has come and He has taken on flesh and He has dwelt among us. And then in the book of Luke, we recognize Jesus Himself saying in Luke 19.10 that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So that's what Jesus has come to do. He, He has come to find people, to seek people out, to save people. And He's all about finding lost people. And He's done everything necessary in order for people to be found. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning, the first one is, have I been found by Jesus? Have I responded to who Christ is and what He's done? Am I a follower of Christ? And I think sometimes we relate to Jesus this way, whether you're a Christian or maybe if you're not a Christian, sometimes we relate to Jesus in kind of this hide-and-seek game. If you've ever played hide-and-seek with a child, maybe your child or another child, uh, you know, sometimes children are not the best hiders, you know. Uh, they're pretty easy to find. And so they're hiding, and you're it, and you're supposed to go find the child. Well, you see the child, where, where the child's hiding, and they see you, but they continue to hide. In other words, they don't want to be found. You have done everything as it, you know, you've done everything needed to seek them out and find them. They see you, but they still hide. They don't want to be found. And I think many of us respond that way to Jesus in our culture today. And that we, we know who Jesus is. We've heard about Christ. We perhaps have even heard the gospel. We see Him with our eyes. We've locked eyes with Him. However, we don't want to be found. We want to stay hidden. We want to continue to do life the way we want to do it. We don't want to come to Christ and admit our sin and ask Him for forgiveness and walk with Him and follow Him. You know, for a child, when you play the hide-and-go-seek game, that's, that's fun. But when you talk about you know, life, death, and eternity, you know, that's not a game. We want to be found by Christ. We want to follow Christ. And, you know, people encounter Christ in several different ways. You know, some people... Uh, become followers of Jesus by reading the Bible. That's where they encounter the Lord, and we all do when we read the Scripture. You know, some people, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, many of you would raise your hand if I were to ask you, you know, how did you come to know Jesus? Did someone share the gospel with you? Many of you would say, yeah, that's, how, that's exactly how I came to know Christ. Some of you maybe heard a song or read another book, and it pointed you to Christ. But however Jesus has made Himself known to you, the question still remains is, you know, have you been found by Him? Have you come out of your hiding place and embraced Him by faith and decided to follow Him? Because this is why Jesus came. He came to find lost people. That's what He does. That's what He's accomplished. And we see in our passage today that Andrew found Jesus because Jesus first found him. You know, Jesus came, He took on flesh, He dwelt among people, and that's what gave Andrew the opportunity, you know, to be found by Christ and to find Christ. Now look at now look at uh, verses forty through forty two with me. So Andrew finds Christ. He finds Jesus. He follows Jesus. And then notice what Andrew does. It says that one of the two who had heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, "We have found the Messiah, which means Christ." He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon the son of John. 
You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So Andrew finds Jesus, and the first thing he does is he goes and he finds his brother Peter, and he brings Peter to Jesus. And this is the second truth I want you to see, is not not only does Jesus find people, he does. He's accomplished everything that's needed for people to be found by him. But what we also see is that found people find people. Those who are found by Christ. We find people. That's what we do. And you see this here in Andrew finding Peter. And I love the beginning of verse 42 where it says, you know, he goes and he gets Peter and he brings Peter to Jesus. I mean, isn't that why the church exists on the planet? I mean, we exist on the planet to bring people to Jesus. That's what we do. That's our role. That's our mission. Found people, find people. Found people bring other people to Jesus. This is what we do. And what's interesting, is, it's not that you first try to challenge people's behavior necessarily or change their worldview. Our main focus, first of all, is to bring them to Christ. We want to bring people to Christ. We don't tell people, hey, change what you are before you come to Jesus. No, just come to Jesus. That's what Andrew told Peter. Just, just come to Jesus. I want to, I want to introduce you to Christ. That's our primary role. Now, granted, as we talk about Jesus with people, uh, some other questions may come up, right? I mean, you may have to get into uh, other terms and definitions and, um, and whatnot. And we should be able to move into those waters with people. But I love the fact that Andrew, he brings Peter to Jesus. And you see what Jesus does to Peter? He looks at him. And he says, so this is who you are, Simon. Well, this is who you will be, Peter. Cephas means the rock. And if you read the Gospels, you read about Peter, you recognize that Peter did not live up to his name early on. Right? He was not necessarily that rock, right, that really propelled the church forward. However, Jesus brought about a change. And he was saying, Peter, this may not be who you will be today or tomorrow, but you will grow into this. This, is, this will be who you will be. And this is what makes Peter, you know, here, one of the most influential men in history. Why? Why is he so influential? Why do you know about Peter? Because he was brought to Jesus. And Jesus brought about a change in his life. He followed Jesus And the reason he did is because Andrew brought him. Andrew brought him to Jesus. Now think about this. What can you tell me about Andrew? If I were to give you an index card and I were to tell you, write down everything you know about Andrew, what would you write? Well, thanks to this sermon, you would say, Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. (laughs) But that's probably all you would write. Because Andrew's just not very well known. Andrew didn't write any letters in the New Testament. However, Andrew did what Christians do. And that is, he brought people to Christ. Found people, find people. That's what we do. And we see another example in verses 43 through 49. Look at this passage with me. It says, the next day, 
Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip. Again, doesn't surprise us. Jesus is always finding people. And he said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. So here we see another example of a found person finding people. Jesus finds Philip, and then Philip follows Jesus. And the very first thing he does after that is he finds Nathanael and he tells him about Jesus. And this is the pattern of the Gospels. As you read the Gospels, you see people continually are being found by Jesus and then bringing people to Jesus. And this is what, this is what we should do. However, we don't always do this. We don't always find people even though we've been found ourselves. And I want to share with you just a few reasons why I think uh, we, we don't find people. One reason is because sometimes we just don't believe that people are lost. You know, think about this. You know, there's a few of you in here that have children uh, second grade or under. And so when the children's church began, you know, our teachers walked forward and your children came. My daughter Lily went with them and they're gone to the, a room uh, to do children's church. You know, try more of an age-appropriate discussion about who Jesus is. Now, and you're sitting in here very comfortable. You know, why are you not searching for your child? Well, it's because you know, okay, my child's not lost. I know where my child is. You know, she or he's with the teachers at Children's Church. However, let's say you leave the service today and you go to pick up your child and your child's not in there. And the teachers say, no, I never saw them. They never came in here. Well, that changes things now. Because now your child is lost. And then you will begin to search for it, right? And recruiting people. Hey, we need to go find Lily. That changes things, how you see the situation. And one of the reasons why we, we don't find people, we don't seek to point people to Jesus, is because we don't think people without Christ are lost. And this is why many denominations are hemorrhaging members and closing churches is because they no longer believe that people without Jesus are lost. And if we do not believe that, then we're not going to invite people to know Christ. And we're not going to invite people to come and worship with us because what's the big deal? Right? But if people are truly lost without Christ then the church will be active in seeking to introduce them to Christ. Another reason that I find, at least myself, why I tend to not um, find people is that, uh, well, let me say it like this. When I find myself 
not being very active in finding people, it's because I'm really not praying for any lost people. And when I say lost, I mean people that are not connected to the Lord. They're not following Jesus. And so, one of the reasons why I think we don't find people is we're not praying for people that don't know the Lord. And so one of the things I want to challenge you with this morning is just to think of one person. One person that you know that does not know the Lord and just begin to pray for them. Write their name down somewhere and begin to pray for them that they would know the Lord. And that God would maybe give you opportunities to uh, be available to share with them about Christ. And I find that when I'm praying that way, when I'm praying for people, then I'm just more inclined to see opportunity to tell people about Christ. The third reason why we don't seek to find people and bring them to Jesus is that we don't know what to say. Oftentimes we just say, you know, I don't, I don't feel adequate to be able to point people to Jesus. You know, I, I don't know what if I get a question I can't answer or, you know, what if they ask me about this verse in the Bible and I can't tell them what it means. And what I find is oftentimes we, we allow what we do not know to paralyze us and keep us from sharing what we do know. Instead of just kind of wading into the water with the person and just discussing who Christ is with them. And I want to challenge you to see uh, evangelism or sharing Christ with people or pointing people to Christ as more of a process and not just a one and gun, you know, idea where you just, I have to do it all in one moment in time. Even though there will be times where you're able to share the gospel in its completeness with someone in one conversation. But if you don't get that far, don't, don't feel defeated, but realize it, it can be a process. You know, God is sovereign. He's at work. And you may only get to one aspect of the gospel and maybe get into it later on. And that's okay. Your God is at work in that type of situation. And so don't feel like you have to be able to you know, answer every question, unpack every complexity in the scripture, but just be willing to share what you do know and begin to point people to Christ. You know, what's interesting is Andrew found Peter. And from the text, it doesn't, sh- it doesn't say that Peter had any questions, had any doubts. He just, yeah, let's go see him. Bam, and he has name changed and Peter was changed. But then when we get down to Philip, Philip told Nathaniel about Jesus and Nathaniel stepped back. He said, okay, hold on a second. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> anyway, he was not as quick to embrace who Jesus is. So he's like, well, okay, Nazareth. I was, I was up, I was, I was with you until Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, what I love about this is that Philip could have maybe gone into a great detailed argument about, well, actually, I think good things can come out of Nazareth, and here's why. But he, he doesn't spend a lot of time there. Instead, he just kind of keeps Jesus the main focus. He says, come and see. Just, just come and see. And I'm not saying we should not tackle some of these peripheral questions. Uh, if, if they're really blocking someone from seeing Jesus, we need to try to answer those for them. And if you don't know the answer, just tell the person, hey, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Let me get back to you. We'll figure it out together. But the point is, we want to keep the focus on Christ. And that's what I love about Philip. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, just come and see. Just, 
Just come, see, you know, see who He is, hear about what He's done. Then that's what you do when you invite someone to a Bible study or you invite someone to a worship service here at 11 or the, the 9 o'clock service that will be starting in March 1st. You know, whenever you invite somebody in, that's what you're saying. Come and see. Come and see people that have been changed by Christ. Come and hear who Jesus is. I mean, that's what you're doing when you invite someone in. And so I want to encourage you to not be paralyzed by what you don't know, but be willing to share what you do know. Because the Bible clearly teaches that people are lost without Jesus. And I want to challenge us. Let's pray. Let's pray for those who don't know Christ. And let's be available to be used by God to point them to Him. And let's just share. Let's just be willing to at least get into the water. Start wading down into the water with people and point them to Christ. And like I mentioned, I want to encourage you to just think about a person or two that you could begin to pray for. That God may use you to uh, point them to Jesus. To challenge them to, hey, come and see. Come to this Bible study. Come to this gathering. Come to this worship service. And just come and hear. Come and see the power of the gospel. You know, my prayer is that you know, as we begin to see people like Jesus sees people. That we will no longer just keep driving down the road like nothing's wrong. Yeah, it's comfortable having a little more room in the back seat. You know, but let's not pretend like everything's okay and just keep going through life like nothing's wrong. But let's be willing, you know, to to turn that car around in the middle of the median and go back and find people that are lost and point them to Christ. Because this is what Jesus does. He finds people and then found people find people. That's what we do. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you find people. Oh, we recognize, those of us who know you, we know that there was, there, was, there was a time that we were lost. We were separated from you. There was nothing we could do about our sin. There was nothing we could do to overcome it. But we are so thankful that though we were lost, someone was searching for us. And probably almost everybody in this room that knows you You used a found person to find them. Now God, would you use us to find other people and bring them to Jesus. Point them to your son that they may be found as well. And Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that they are still browsing the candy aisle or they don't recognize yet that they're separated from you, God, would you Just search them out by your spirit and through your people that we may point them to you, that they may embrace you and follow you like Philip, like Nathaniel, like Peter, like Andrew. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.